Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance. And I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste something food on place. Fumbled the bag, I still ain't got that disappointment to shake. So now I'm trying to double up on every dollar I make. Money don't buy you happiness, it sure don't take it away. I'm smiling hard as hell, every time I step in the bank. We can't be making reckless moves Cause there's so much at stake When you got some shit to lose Your decisions gon' change Cause every action got a consequence Consider your ways Hardest thing to do in life Is elevate through your pain I can relate to feeling like Your life is stuck in the face Giving effort but results Just keep remaining the same Have some patience with yourself Shit ain't as bad as you claim I seen the homeless nigga smile While he was standing in rain It's all about perspective I'm chilling, catching blessings And cryptocurrency been busting And I'm well invested She know that if she rock with me Then she gon' stay protected Cause even when this shit get hectic, I ain't never stressing, I'm legend. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste, I'm putting food on place. Mill. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Your boy, David Bellar, one-fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance crew, checking in with my co-host for the episode, my brother, Jalen Clark. Jalen, how you living, dog? What up, what up, what up? It's your boy, Jalen, man, one-quarter of the Black Wealth Ooh. Renaissance Podcast. Appreciate y'all for tapping in. I'm definitely happy to be here, definitely excited to get this show started. Yes, sir. Yep, man. 
It's a rainy day out here in Texas, but you had a good week, man. You know, you got to go see the fam. Yeah, man. It was hot as hell, though, man. God damn, man. That Louisiana humidity is not, it's, it's no joke, man. Every time you walk out the damn door, it just feels hot and sticky. I was just like, I can't deal with this shit, man. I see why I left. <laughs> man. Yeah, man. But it was a great week, man. Gotta, I cannot complain. Gotta love the boot, man. Gotta give the love to the house, the home state. But yeah, like my brother was saying, we have another great episode for y'all today. Um, excited to have this conversation. So brother, we should have been knowing this man based on what we was talking about off this. Like, we know everybody. We got the same friends. We got the same people we cool with. And he's really out here doing amazing work. So this young brother, he started off at Northwestern Mutual, like 18, quickly after graduating, became the growth and development director of a sector. And then the company invested a million dollars in him so that he can launch his own firm in Harlem to serve underserved communities. And I love the work that he's doing really to help our people understand and build wealth. Mr. Anthony Williams. Anthony, how you doing, bro? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's about time we, we finally met. About time we finally linked up and did this. <laughs> yeah, man. It's crazy. Like, what I'm learning, people be talking about six degrees of separation, but bro, man, it's really like two, man. Yeah, Everybody man. like right next to each other. It's really adjacent, so... It's all just happened in due time. And yeah, man, we glad that we could get you on today, bro. And we'll just, uh, no problem. And we'll just get started right on into it. For those out there who don't really know about you and don't know about, you know, your journey and some of the work that you've done and some of the businesses and the practices that you've opened up, let's just get it started into how'd you find your way into the financial service sector? Yeah. So I've always been a person that's like been into like personal finance. So it all started, man. I opened my first retirement account when I was 18. I opened my first Roth IRA. So my economics professor in high school spoke about a retirement account. And that sounds good. I should probably do something like that. So literally when I got my first job at Domino's before I went off to college, I said, let me open one up. And I was doing $50 a month, right? $50 a month to that account. And I did it all throughout college and stuff like that. And then I, you know, graduated that college. And I mean, graduated high school and then went to Howard for undergrad. And I get a call from a financial advisor and they're saying, hey, you know, your dad is getting a policy. What's your social? I'm like, what? And I called my dad. My dad was like, yeah, go ahead. And, you know, we're doing this. I'm like, okay, cool. So then I got my first life insurance policy when I was 18. But I still pay on it to this day. And then she said, hey, listen, you want an internship? I'm like, uh, uh, sure. I'd love to learn more about it. And I actually just wrapped up finishing something called Enroads, where they kind of teach you like how to like do interviews. Um, so I was ready. I was like, did some research on the company, came prepared for the interview, interviewed them. They weren't supposed to hire me, to be honest, right? Because if I look at any 18-year-old today, coming to my office, when I'm looking for an internship opportunity, I'm like, nah, you're too young. You're too young. But I convinced them. I did my research. I let them know about my experience with like investments and stuff like that, setting up a retirement account. And I told them, listen, I'm going to put in the work, right? So literally accepted the offer and I began my career uh, June 2014. When I began my career at 18 in years old as a freshman in college, at 18, as a freshman in college, and I used to be known as that guy. I was always in a suit. They're like, why is he always in a suit? And then when my friends would want to hang out, they'd be like, yo, Anthony, like, where you at? Like, I'm in a meeting. And he used to make fun of me. Like, Anthony's always in a meeting. He's always in suits. But I wasn't lying. I really was. I was, so, I was like in Starbucks. People <laughs> see me like, hey, what's up? And then it was just funny. And then I got real blessed, though. Well, I got a mentor in the business. His name is a shout out Rick Hugh. If he ever happens, he's an Asian dude and he opened an office in Chinatown and he really put me in his wing. Like I, I was really one of the top interns. And then he really kind of taught me everything, how to really build a business, how to really work with clients. 
And then that led to me become a number one advisor intern in the East Coast about three years in a row. And I then graduating being top 10 in the country. So then I was an intern and pretty much the internship program, the way it works in Northwestern is like, you actually are, you're practicing, you have your licenses mm-hmm. and you're doing the same thing that the full-time people are doing. It's just that you're an intern. You're not doing it full-time because you're going to school. Uh, uh, so then literally, so I was doing it throughout school. I was going to school uh, full-time, doing an internship. And then I started officially full-time in 2018. I moved back to New York. I was out of Wall Street. And then that's how we got to where we are today. That's interesting. I really want to kind of go back in the beginning, because a lot of people would overlook the fact that at 18, you started their retirement account. But I think that that's like the genesis. So what about that professor stood out to you to make you want to really say, you know, I'm interested in this. I'm going to really take this next step. I'm going to open up this retirement account. What was that that really just stood out to you? You know, I think it was just the education, to be honest. That's the biggest thing. And honestly, I thank them every day. And so we pretty much had like a economics class and we did like a whole stock contest, all that good stuff. And then he told me about compound interest starting early and he showed me a chart. And I was like, yeah, if you did 50 bucks a month into this account from 18 to when you get to 60, it can be a large lump sum of money. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm gonna get it done. So I didn't really make any excuses. And literally as soon as I got my first job, called them up. Hey, his name is Timothy Rivlin. Shout out to Timothy Rivlin. I'll never forget the people that made an impact in my life. All right. And open the account and I was doing 50 bucks a month, man. So usually when people saying, hey, they can't put away money. I'm like, listen, I was an 18 year old college student that ain't have no money and I'll still be able to do 50 bucks a month. Right. You can definitely get it done. You can so, you waste uh, $50 so fast. Literally, literally go, shots, shots, you know, buying food twice a week. So, yeah, definitely. I think the biggest thing, though, is education for sure. Anthony, man, I got to get into this stuff. So, like. You just take advantage of an opportunity first. That's one thing that I don't want to overlook. Like they put it in your face like, hey, man, you know, you can do this and you just went at it. So what was it like learning to become a financial advisor? Right. Because I think that's one of the things that people kind of get confused with. Like, well, what does it look like to be that? Yeah. So the biggest thing, obviously, you have the education is key. Right. Mm-hmm. So in order to get the license, I actually talk about specific products you have to get licensed. So I have a life insurance license, health insurance license, disability insurance license. I have the SIE Series 6, Series 63, looking to get the Series 7 sometime next week. So you first have to obviously get the education packed down. But at the end of the day, you need to have the skills to go out and get clients. Because mm-hmm. the financial advisor role is very entrepreneurial and it's really just business development. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. So now we have to have the education because you need to know how to build relationships. You know how to build a business. You know how to create a system. So the first piece is really get the licenses, right? Educate yourself and read books outside of that and really get a philosophy and then focus on getting the clients, which sometimes is one of the hardest things to do because this industry that I work in has an 86% failure rate. I could believe it. Yeah. 80% failure rate. So again, I've been blessed to start early and really make those mistakes and have a good mentor, which helped me get to where I am today. Like you said, it, that failure rate doesn't surprise me because it's such an entrepreneurial craft, like you were saying. So now I kind of want to dive into like the fact that you were 18 when you started, right? 
how is it becoming a financial advisor getting clients at 18? Because I know one thing for certain. A lot of people that are older than you are looking at you like, bro, you you, you still wet behind you know the ears, boy. Hey, you don't know nothing, boy. You going to tell me about my money? What you going to tell me? You know? Yeah, it was tough. It was very tough, man. I'm not even going to lie to you, man. Like, I was actually reflecting on my early days, like, a few days ago, and I'm like, I never want to go back there, right? One, it forced me to mature. It forced me to mature professionally quickly, right? Because, again, I'm 18 years old, and I had a chin strap. I had a chin strap. So, you know, I looked like I was 18, right? So I was kind of thinking real hard and having my beard came in, thankfully, at 19, Right. So they got to blessed. the point. I, was blessed. <laughs> I still ain't got I still ain't got no full beard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the perception helps though, because at one point people thought that I was like we're like 24, 25. And mm-hmm. again, when it comes to being a financial advisor, you also have to choose your market. So back then when I first started, I was working with people that was like plus five my age, right? So mm-hmm. 26, 27, I was working with them. And the thing is, it's all about perception. I have to really mature. So I have to like learn how to explain things professionally. I have to, I wore suits all the time too. All right. So I wasn't really kind of walking into meetings looking like an ATR. I looked like professional. I kept it tight. And I think that really helped a lot, to be honest. I'm glad that, you know, you knew that the appearance Mm -hmm. was something that it was important. You knew that you had to also know how to talk the talk Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people, They'll let their age undermine them, but they don't come with the abilities and the tools to show people that I am competent in this field and I still understand and I can show you this. Like you said, if you can clearly explain and walk somebody through a process, they'll feel more comfortable no matter your age, as long as you can Mm -hmm. show them your competence. As long as you can show them, hey, I know what I'm talking about. Plus, I got these licenses to back up my name. Like, Joe Blow Mm -hmm. off the street don't got that. Like, I can do this. Exactly. And then the biggest thing, too, is that I did leverage a lot of other financial advisors, too. So the cool thing about this company I work with, something called joint work, Mm -hmm. right? And that means that, like, I get a client, I then bring a senior advisor in there, too, right? So I had the confidence behind me being able to explain things to people, but also had even more confidence. I know, listen, if I can't explain something, I already know I could talk to somebody's shoulder to come and explain it, right? My job is to just go out there, get the opportunity, and then bring it to the table and then make it happen. Mm, and I'm glad you say that. So where did you start to market yourself? Market yourself? Mm-hmm. How did you Those go out there and start getting these clients? Where did you actually go source these yeah. deals from? Yeah, I think it'd be back to the, the beginning, man. Oh, man. So I had to get real creative. I got real creative. So the company had a really great training program. So it was really a lot of, a lot of networking, right? So it's a lot of like meeting with a client. And then if I did the good work, I got referrals. It was like, hey, Anthony, you know, because you explained this thing so well, can you help me out? Go talk to one, two, three, four, five, right? So I did the referrals from the clients. I also went out to events. I also did like presentations at school. I also would like talk to people at parties, right? And then it was a lot of, and then I also used to do use GroupMe. I used to use Survey. Yo, I did a ton you of things, hustling. man. I was hustling. I was hustling. And also like if people saw me wear the suit, they're like, you look at Sharp. I was like, yeah, look, here's my car. Let's, let's connect at some point, right? So also had that brand and that image. So I was like, oh, I want to go ahead and talk to this person. That's kind of like how it worked out. And then over time, the strategy, you get better and better with it. 
And I always thought about, okay, cool. Like, instead of me trying to reach out to people, how can I have people come to me? So that's where I started getting serious about my Instagram, started posting motivational things. I pretty much became myself and kind of, you know, post all the positive vibes out there. And then obviously it returned and people reach out, want to connect. And then my approach with some of these things is kind of like, like I'm a networker, I'm a connector, right? I just happen to be a financial advisor. I'm an entrepreneur, I just happen to be a financial advisor, right? So I, that's the mindset I, I approach things. And then if people want help and I can help them, I let them, hey, well, here's a financial advisor, that I'm, the hat on that I'm putting on right now. I can talk to talk there. Mm. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Being able to provide the solution. It's really just a very entrepreneurial field. So what was the first set of licenses you had to go out and get? Like whenever you, I'm somebody I want to get started. I'm hearing this and it sounds like I could go talk to people, get this stuff rolling. Like what was the first license I got to get? So one, you got to get sponsored by a firm. That's mm-hmm. one. So you'd have to kind of figure out where do I want to park my practice, right? So the way the industry is set up, if I want to like very simplify it, is got you got insurance-based companies and you got investment-based companies, right? So with some insurance companies would be like a Northwestern Mutual, New York Life, Mass Mutual, Transamerica, right? And then you have like the Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, Merrill Lynch, right? If you go down the investment company route, they're going to tell you, hey, get your investment license first, right? And then with those companies, though, what happens is you have, they have to have an account minimum for you to get a client. And what I realized is that in our community, well, we don't got money yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Or if we do have money, it's not as much where you might be eligible to open an account with some of these firms. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm not going to do this one because it's going to be too much of a high barrier. I'm also going to be helping the super wealthy and majority. Sometimes they may not look like me. Right. On the insurance with the insurance company side, anybody can become a client. Right. Someone can put away 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks a month away. And it makes sense for them to do so. Well, then they're going to say, get your insurance license first. And it's called the life accident health. And then once you choose the insurance company, then they go out and then you can work with them in that capacity. Mm. And I'm glad you brought that up because that leads me to my next question I had wanted to ask. What was some of the objections or some of the things that you saw that your target audience was facing? Like, how did you kind of convert them into realizing mm-hmm. this is something that you need in your life that you need to set up? Yeah. So for me, I always lead with questions. I never really lead with like something you should do. Right. And the question that I ask, it's really based around someone's goals, visions and their values. Right. So if I can understand you as a person, what's important to you, then I say, well, listen, you said that one, two, three was important to you. Well, hey, listen, if this is important to you, you should probably do one, two, three, four, five. And it's pretty much connecting the dots. So when it comes to objections, the only objections I probably would have gotten is if someone's not the right person. Right. It's like, OK, this person's clearly doesn't have the right mindset right now. They, they're probably not a good fit. So I was like, well, that's cool. Next. Right. And on to the mm-hmm. next opportunity. And then also timing at the same time, right? So it's, for example, if someone's starting a business, they're not making a ton of money right now. So like, are they going to be thinking about financial planning? Probably not. They're probably thinking, okay, how do I get my next guest? How do I you get my next gig? That's what you're thinking about. And then what happens is um, if you do a good job and take people through the process of financial planning, when they're ready, they'll reach out. So I, honestly, I have people I spoke to five years ago, man, hit me up. Hey, Anthony, I know we spoke back in 2018. I wanted to know, I wanted to kind of get back on track. Right. So that's kind of how kind of things that I've dealt with. But I'll be objective where it's too much. Uh, it's not the right time, but it's, it's cool. It's cool. And I, I just I just keep it pushing. Mm. Like So, Anthony, earlier you mentioned the financial planning role is kind of like business development and growth. Right. And one of the things that stood out to me, you say you manage over 500 clients. So obviously you got to have some systems and things in place. Like what are some systems that you mm. use to manage clients in this? Type oh, of- man. 
Oh, man. So it took me a while to really iron out the system. I probably I didn't really figure it out until maybe a year and a half. ago. That's where I hired my first assistant. That's where I hired my first assistant, and she's on my payroll. So one second, I just, for, for everybody listening, how many years did it take you to get the system down packed? For, you started when you oh, were 18. Man. Oh, like four years, man. Like four years just to figure it out. Four years to figure out the system. <laughs> but eight. I like to stress that stuff because so often, you know, entrepreneurship, business, like we want to have everything, you know, done right away. And it's like sometimes it just takes time. Like you just figuring it out as you're going along. Like I'm pretty sure you mm-hmm. have systems that they they produced results, but like the perfected, like, hey, no, this the one. It takes time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So some of the systems that we use, we use CRM, obviously. Uh, making sure we track people's birthdays, understand, you know, when's the right time to reach out. And then the company also has a, has a nice little client portal. So clients can like, you know, attach their accounts and stuff like that. And then usually when a client hit like a certain goal, like we have a planning software where if you connect your account, the client can go, let's say if they hit like a emergency fund goal, then we reach out, boom, hey, reach out to this client. You know, they're probably ready to do some investments or, hey, this client checked the box on the life insurance, go reach out to talk to them about, you know, again, it's a or something like that. Right. So I think it's uh, being able to leverage the technology has been super helpful. Hmm. I think that's really, really dope. And I'm glad that you talked about the systems and the technology. And there was another thing that you talked about in the beginning is just really the whole process of being an entrepreneur. So you're being a financial advisor, but also an entrepreneur at the same time. So how do you deal with juggling both of those at the same time? Because as you're learning, you know, you're still growing and you're still learning, but you still want to make sure you're providing the best service to your clients as possible. So how did you find that happy medium to where I can grow my business, but still help my clients grow as well? Yes. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing that helped me out, man, was just getting a team, right? Like I was doing it on my own, but so, so to answer your question, before I had the assistant, right, I was putting long hours, man. I was working seven days a week. There was at some point where like I was in the office till like 2 a.m. and then go home at like 2.30 a.m. and then wake up and then be in the office back at 7, right? So it's really just straight up organization. Also time blocking. You have to really block the time out. So usually it'll be like Mondays would kind of be like my organization day. Get the paperwork ready, get the plans prepared, submit the applications, handle like the underwriting stuff and things like that. And then also block out other times to actually go see clients and stuff like that. So it's really just managing the actual schedule and, and the calendar and then sticking to it. Mm. What do you think is the biggest thing you learned about yourself as a business owner? Oh man, yo, listen, when I tell you entrepreneurship and being a business owner, man, your weaknesses are magnified by a thousand. They're magnified by a thousand. And the biggest thing I learned, man, I'm like the most unorganized person. <laughs> I was like the most unorganized. And I also learned that, but I'm also process oriented. And so once I'm involved in a process, then oh, okay, cool. Man, I can just think straight and, and keep making it happen. But I think the biggest thing was like unorganized. But over time, I became organized. And also, I'm not, again, I still have to work on that. But then I found someone that's like super organized, mm-hmm. super detail-oriented. And then what happened was she was able to take that off my plate. And I could just focus on being me, which is thinking big, building relationships, and then focus on just growing the business, growing the practice. And I'm glad you said that because a lot of times whenever people start businesses, we think that we have to wear all of the hats, especially whenever you start, whenever it's just you, you don't have a team and you get really used to, you know, I got to be the person. Even whenever you start generating profit yeah, and like, start paying people, you're I, still like, I got to do all of these things. But I'm glad that you spoke about that because on one part, you know, you said 
entrepreneurship, it magnifies those weaknesses. And I 100% wholeheartedly agree with you on that, because if it's something that you suck at, and it's going to come every time, because like you say, if you know that you're unorganized, or if you know you're a person that runs late to meetings, or if you know, like, that's something that you're going to have to work at to overcome, Mm -hmm. to become better at business. So what happens is too, is that if you're weak in those areas, it could really impact the client experience too. Right. So you got to make sure you get it tight. And also one thing I'd always suggest to people is that if you're about to engage in a business relationship, be upfront about your weaknesses. Hey, listen, this is my weaknesses here. I'm working on it. So if things slip up, you already communicated that, right? So definitely the unorganized stuff definitely did kind of bite me in the behind, but then learn from it. And then I let clients know, listen, this is my weaknesses. This is something I'm working on. And then because we people at the end of the day, right? So that's something that I just want to share with y'all, at least when it comes to this life of business. Mm, I like that. I like that transparency. And I'm glad that you also say it showed that you needed that team member too, though, because it showed, okay, I can't be great at all of this. But once they pick up this slack, now we're really forming this team to where we can work together as a unit. They're focusing on this. I'm focusing on that. And now we're able to go further together. Real quick, I wanted to give a shout out to our water sponsor. The best damn water. water. The best damn water on this side of the Mississippi, no cap, Aspire Pure, Alkaline, Balanced <laughs> pH water. Y'all get that. Link in the show notes. BWR10 is the code. BWR10, yeah. you get 10% off your first order. Thank get rid of that. all of that acidic food that y'all <laughs> been eating, all of that balance out your pH. Yeah, man. <laughs> Shit. No, Anthony, I wanted to get back into it with you, my brother. So we speaking on building a team and building your practice. Now I kind of want to get into the investment Northwestern Mutual made into you. At Well, first, even before that, because we've kind of skipped over it, your growth within the company first. Let's talk about that. How did you grow so rapidly within that company? Like, What were you having to do to do that? Yeah. So the first thing you have to do is show that you're able to get clients. Mm-hmm. Show that you're able to like build a business and really help. Because it's like, if you want to be a financial advisor, but you don't get no clients, it's like, who are you really helping? <laughs> who are you really right. helping at the end of the day, right? So- I think the first thing first, I proved myself with that, you know, and I was able to sell the accolades was number one intern three years in a row. Then I graduated being top 10 in the country. So I had that. And then I started full time 2018 and I was doing well for my first three months. And I was also able to attract at least three more people into the company who look like us. Well, two of them were black women. Another one was a dude. And I showed that I can attract talent. So because I was able to attract clients and attract talent, it was like, okay, cool. This guy is like, okay, he can definitely make it work and, and build a business. So I did that and I became a field director, right? And a field director is pretty much where like you kind of just focus on helping full-time, new full-time advisors. Because the biggest thing about this industry, guys, is that mentorship is key. Mm-hmm. If you don't have no mentors in this business to show you how to do it, it's going to be very tough for you to succeed, right? So I kind of showed I could mentor, I could get clients and I also had a passion behind it too. So because I had those things, it literally led to me getting that position. And then fast forward, I always told my managing partner, listen, we have to open an office in Harlem. We have to be in an underserved or diverse area because I was on Wall Street, right? I don't know if you guys have been to Wall Street, but a bunch of professionals no, that, that, no, not that, yeah. Big, tall buildings, really no sense of community, at least to me. And I was like, we, we got to go. So I, I kind of also had like that vision I put in the air and then, you know, it's still in the back of their mind. And then obviously when the time is right, that's when we decided to jump on the opportunity. Mm. What did that look like opening up that office in Harlem? Because once again, you know, they like to move off of numbers and demographics and things like that. So how do you show them that, yo, 
this community, this center, right? This is where you need to be. And what were some of those steps that you had to go through to open that? Yeah. Yeah. So I think around this time last year, right, this is when we, it was, we were at the height of the social unrest. We had the protests, George Floyd, mobs during the pandemic and stuff like that. And the company kind of like, you know, I don't know what they were thinking about, but I told my manager partner, we had to meet with some of the executives of the company. And I was like, hey, we have to make a move to Harlem. What I did was with the presentation and my team put it together. So, you know, shout out to my guys, Jordan Bautista, Hikari Brooks, Deidre Goldburn. Those people were key to, to this. And there were other financial advisors too. So like they were kind of doing the same work I was doing, but just kind of in their own area. So we put together a nice presentation. We showed our accolades of bringing in clients, bringing in revenue, all that good stuff. We also showed that we can attract people to this business. And we just drew a map on a Google Maps and just drew a Harlem, circled Harlem. And we showed them Bronx, the Bronx where I'm from. We show them that they can get to Yonkers and we show them like the Harlem location is like a 30 minute trip from downtown. So that's like the main area where, where people ask. So let's say if a client is working downtown, they want to come to the office. Well, listen, it's a 20 minute train ride. Right. So we kind of drew the map and we showed them the accolades and we presented. And then, you know, we talked about future potential. So when we think about the idea of Harlem. A lot of black professionals live here mm-hmm. and a lot of them are successful. They're usually attorneys, they're physicians. They're business owners. So we have like that type of, cl- I kind of told them about that type of clientele that was there. And then on top of that, I said, listen, if you want to be in the community, we have to like actually be in the community, right? We have to actually be there, have a physical location. And I told them about like my business owner clients that were here. And then they agreed. And honestly, I think my manager department took a huge bet on me. It was a huge bet. I don't think no one knew like how something like, because he told me we, we haven't done anything like this before, right? It was like an untapped market. They didn't even have a leader. And then they just gambled. Right. And then so we opened the office during Black History Month. It was February, the last Friday of the month. And then we opened it was, you know, started with a team of like maybe like six advisors, seven advisors. Now we have like 20 and we have like 20 in, in, in a short couple of months. <laughs> so I kind of want to ask, what was that like growing that office during the pandemic? Because I know New York was shut down, like you can't do community mm-hmm. outreach events and all of those type of things. So how are you getting some of these professionals and people to actually come to the office and sign up with your team? Yeah. So we did a lot of Zoom stuff. At the end of the day, it was like a lot of these Zoom opportunities and we did a lot of LinkedIn posts. So the way we like to grow our office is that we always want to have someone that knows someone. So we like to do it through like referrals and that type of way. So it was really more so like me, you know, bootstrapping, foot to the ground, hitting up people. Hey, listen, I just opened an office. I'm looking to connect with these type of people. Who do you know? Like, who do you know is well-connected? Who do you know is entrepreneurial? Who do you know is ambitious? And you know have a passion of helping other people. And I just probably ask that maybe like five times a day. And then you get names. You start getting names. You start getting the right type of people. You speak with them. And then if there's alignment in that person and the vision you want to accomplish, well, then they pretty much came on board. I got you. Appreciate that. I know you had something else. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think. What's up, Jared? How you doing over there, man? I know you ain't get to introduce that. No, man, I was just letting y'all do y'all thing. It was, I was learning a lot over here about proxy. But what's up, Anthony? <laughs> I'm Jared. How you doing, man? Nice to meet you, man. Nice to meet you. I apologize. I was running a little late. It's all good, my brother. Look like you're in deep thought over there, man. You yeah, all right, man. My mind wandered off to a place, and now, now I'm trying to bring it back. <laughs> this guy here. 
<laughs> so what is the goal with the practice moving forward? How do y'all, one, intend to impact the community around there? And then two, what's like some of the goals on the advisor side? Yeah, so on the community side, one thing I wanted to do was really be able to bring resources. So like whenever we have like an office event or something like that, we're calling the restaurant that's in Harlem that's black owned. We call in a Spanish restaurant that's owned by a Latino, putting the money in their pockets. And right now we're currently working on creating some, because again, we're in the pandemic. So it's really tough for us to kind of be out there on feet, on foot. But one thing we've done though, is that we've been donating money to scholarship funds, right? So I do a lot of work with Morehouse Alumni Association in New York City, and we've donated money to their MLK fund uh, for scholarships. I've done some work with Spelman and donated to their scholarship fund. And also done some work with this company organization called Riverside Hawks, donating to their basketball team, making sure the youth are able to have money, to, you know, to when they go to college or something like that, right? So I think right now we're, we're doing financial resources because then it's not hard to write a check. And the company I'm with, this is why I kind of like, I want to stay with the big firm for now, is that they have over three hundred billion dollars, man. <laughs> yeah, three hundred billion dollars, and they make about two billion dollars a month. So because I know that if I can prove to them that I can go ahead and get clients to make things happen, they're going to want to invest some more money, right? So the money that they've invested into this type of office, it's like a drop in the bucket for them, right? So to take, talk to you about the goals, right? So we're always looking to bring in at least 10 new talented advisors a year. You know, we're very selective on who we want here because you have to be cut from a specific cloth to be here, right? It's not an industry that's easy. So it's like to, to kind of like help increase retention is like we got to find the right type of people. Right. Mm-hmm. So we want to get at least 10 new advisors here each year. And then when it comes to the community, once things start opening up again, I'm probably going to do at least like one community service event per month. And I have a few clients, I mean, a few advisors here that are passionate about financial literacy for children. So some of them are even came to creating a game plan to reaching out to all the schools in New York City and create a type of financial program in that area. Right. So we're still bubbling up the opportunities there. And then on the financial planning practice side, on the business side, the goal, like my overarching goal is to be able to deliver $1 trillion of wealth to the next generation, right? And the way I plan on quantifying that is by how many clients we help with their investments. So bringing in assets. So, you know, being able to bring in over $25 million a year in new assets and also life insurance protection planning, right? So if someone's getting a policy, we want to make sure you have the right amount of coverage to make sure they can big because it's like at the end of the day, if you pass away, you know, you want to leave some type of legacy, Right. If you don't have any children, maybe just, hey, get a life insurance policy for a million dollars and then donate it to a scholarship fund, donate it to some type of institution. And when you pass away, boom, you got a million dollars that just came in. So right now I currently have about $350 million in death benefit in force. So if anything would happen, we're able to transfer $350 million to the next generation. And we're still working on growing the investment practice where we're probably at about like, you know, 50 right now, which is nothing compared to the entire industry. But the goal is to get that number as high as possible. And we're just working on it, right? And then the cool thing is how it also scaled to that $1 trillion number is that I'm teaching other financial advisors how to grow their businesses. So they're going to be mm-hmm. able to do the same thing. So we're going to get to that $1 trillion number real fast. And we got the next like 20, I mean, I'm young. I just started stuff, right? So we got the next like 20, 30 years to like make this stuff happen. 350 million ain't a bad start, whatever you said like that. Hell Think about nah, it, like, man. It, the team only going to get bigger, and ba- bigger, better, better, like you said. And it's like a compound interest in that sense. Like, it's exactly. only going to get happen faster. Mm-hmm. And it's powerful, man. Make an impact in the community. And, like, I'm glad you, you talk about that with the life insurance part, too, because that's something we've been stressing lately in BWR Academy to people. 
in our community, we have death. Life insurance is just death insurance in our community a lot of the times instead of being like mm-hmm. looked at as income insurance. This now you just, mm-hmm. income insurance, death insurance, like taking care of all of the things, like taking the problems that come with you and then leaving something too. Like yeah. you can actually mm-hmm. give somebody something beneficial. Yeah. Or even like, I want to tack on with that too, because I thought that was really like important and dope that he had brought that out just because like you can take your death benefit. If you don't have kids or something like that, you can donate to a fund for something that you're passionate about. Like if you Mm -hmm. care about, you know, getting more people scholarships, you can put that towards that. If you care about helping like lower income communities or something in some sort of way, whether it's housing or food or donating it to whatever charity, you can do that. So it's like, I really think that's that's really cool. Like you're helping to make sure that that trillion dollars is going to go towards helping the whole community, not just exactly. like specifically even just the family structure. Like it's helping them and the entire community. I think that's really cool. Yeah, because I believe that you know we live in a society where money controls everything, right? It's kind of like that. That's how it is, right? You know whether we like it or not. And you know mm-hmm. I think us as a community, you know if everybody like just a dream. If, because I know you guys have over half, let's say half a million followers on IG. If everybody got a million dollar policy, guess we pass on half a billion dollars to the next generation. That's, that's crazy because think about it. Um, you have the finance. And it probably won't cost can, us that much. It's probably not. It's probably not, right? So, so then you can use money for the education. You're going to send kids to school, send them to the right proper institution. You can pay for people's, let's say somebody's passionate about, I don't know, like, you know, let's say, women and traveling somebody you can actually have put resources behind it right so it's kind of just thinking about listen we have to catch up as a community and i think we can't just solve it by just individually it's more so let's think about this together and let's take action that's the biggest thing taking action is key let's not just talk let's actually do it and then let's just just rinse and repeat rinse and repeat the goal is the goal is to make this type of work that we're doing to make a ripples throughout the next 20 generations the next 20 generations. And I think, you know, I think y'all even doing this podcast is a blip to actually make that happen. Right. So. So yeah, the mission and the purpose behind it all, man, like just getting this information out that side people, because it's way too long. Like we didn't have these conversations growing up and making sure that like, this is something that can reach us well, because we have listeners from all over the country, like all over the world, bro. And this is information mm-hmm. that like impacts everyone, but it just so happens that like it seems like black people, we don't talk about it enough. Like it's taboo and I yep. so we just gotta open up that conversation and make it happen. About yeah. It. yeah. And I think the biggest thing too, the biggest thing, and I tell the company about this a lot, is that we you know we need more representation for sure, right? Because like you need to have relatability to have these type of conversations, right? And because you know, like, I work with certain clients and I'm like, Yeah, you haven't done anything, like what's going on? They're like, Well, I didn't you know, no one looked like me and I wasn't really comfortable. And also I also have to be more patient with people in our community, right? Because again, it's brand new. And because I know about that community, I'm not going to be pissed off. I'm like, okay, cool. Probably going to take a little bit more meetings for them to really understand it, which is fine. But the other type of clients that I have is more like, oh, here you go. Boom, let's go. My grandfather talked about this. It makes sense. I like the idea. Let's do it. Or my mom did this, that, and the third. It's easier to execute. But if we have more representation, it becomes easier because then we can have those conversations. So to give you an idea, the company has over 7,000 financial advisors and only 300 of them around are after people, African-American, right? So like, and, and the industry is like less than like 2% in the industry. So that we were able to get that from 2% to let's say 
we could really make a change, which is why, which is why I have a passion around being able to bring people into this office and this industry because we can just make that number happen because we do have money. We do have money for sure. It's a matter mm-hmm. of knowing what to do with it and also mm-hmm. being disciplined and the biggest thing, taking action. Yeah, that's, that's a big fact. You know, even just the money. That reminds me of Terry. Terry, even uh, Ashley Ann, they talk about like, we always talk about, you know, small black businesses or whatever. But oh, yeah. a lot of people, poor yeah, black poor black, yeah, like a lot of people do have money. But what are we doing with the money? A lot of people say that our community is broke, but we got one point three trillion dollars worth of spending power. So what are we really doing with the money? I've seen a lot of people go to Florida this past year. I've seen a lot of people go come to Texas this past year. Is they I hope you in the retirement. Account? I hope y'all got life insurance policies and I hope y'all got these retirement account setups. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna knock you for having fun, but fun. make sure you got your priorities set up. Nah, nah, Jerry gonna come and be bad out. I'm gonna knock you for having fun because why you wouldn't have fun and then have no life insurance during a pandemic? Hmm? Hmm? That's a good one. A panorama out here, you ain't got no life insurance. Since you went to Florida. I'm no, but for real, like that makes sense. Double fold, like you should have that insurance on it just in case if something happened to you. You see people dropping like flies left and right. These are the facts. I upped my life insurance policy during the pandemic. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, it's just having the right balance, too. You know, it's like have your fun, but like put away something on some basis. Mm-hmm. Right. And I tell people, listen, like if you're going to work with me, like don't be I want you to spend your life living. Like I want you to like have your good time. But like just know that, you know, you want to make sure you take care of yourself when 20 years down the line. Mm hmm. Right. And it's just starting small. And it's like this, start small, grow over time. That's it. Take one small step and you're going to compound on that behavior. And then you wake up five years. Like, oh, wow. Like I have clients who set up accounts and like they kind of complain to me in the beginning. Like I'm putting so much money to my investment account, whatever, my God. But then like two years, three years, they're like, oh my God, I have this much in there. Like, are you crazy? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, now put more money in there. Right. And then, <laughs> and then you know, that's it. <laughs> So it's them taking action and start small, right? Mm-hmm. And then again, everybody is different, right? So maybe someone can do a little bit more, some do a little bit less, but just start something. Yeah. I, I opened a retirement account when I was 18. You could do it too, you know? <laughs> Don't make yourself like miserable or nothing like that. But exactly. like making sure you're taking care of yourself, man. Take care of your shit. Because like you said, at 18, I wish I'd have thought about that, man. Hell yeah, man. It was easy. Easy. <laughs> I ain't do it till I was like, out of college, but hey, we also like working on it. That's true. (laughs) I also like the point you made as far as like the incremental, like investing, because like what a lot of people don't talk about, you know, all these different apps and stuff like that. You can start with $10. You can start with a dollar and start investing. But nobody talks about like, you're going to look at your portfolio the next day and that dollar is up a hundred percent and you only got $2. Like you're nobody's, you're probably saying that to say, you're probably not going to be as happy about an account that still doesn't have that much money in it, but you have to start so that you can build up to that account that has a whole lot of money in it. Once you've gone three, four, like you said, three, four, five years and you hadn't touched that money, now it's looking really good that you have these thousands of dollars in there. And when you do have your account go up in a certain percentage, it looks even better. It's like, oh snap, I got all this money here. I'm making a whole lot of money now. It's like, well, you weren't going to do that at just a dollar, but you had to start. Mm-hmm. It's a fact. Yes, sir. So, Anthony, I do want to ask you now, what is a personal finance principle or tip that you would recommend someone follow? That's a good one. 
keep it simple. I like to keep it simple. Right? And what I mean by that is I know people talk about budgeting and there's many different strategies, many different like suggestions, but I like to keep it very simple where just have three sections within a budget, right? Line out what are your fixed expenses? Like what are the bills that you have to pay for on a monthly basis, right? And if you don't pay it, it's going to mess up your credit or something like that, right? And then see how much money you have left over and then figure out, okay, cool, what are some of my goals? Out of that surplus, before I spend on going out, before I spend on vacation, before I spend on travel and stuff like that, right? Dedicate an amount per month, go into a specific account, stick to that number, and then spend the rest of the money, right? Keep it very simple. If, if you kind of think about it in that manner, it kind of relieves the stress, right? So to give you that tip, it's more so just divide your budget in three categories. Have a fixed budget, a fixed category, have a financial goal category, and then have a discretionary category, and then, you know, just stick to that. And then obviously you want to have like a reevaluation. So probably look, look back at that budget, let's say two times a year, and then maybe increase it little by little over time. When you make extra money, instead of you increasing your lifestyle, well, increase your savings first, right? Don't get caught up in that trap of trying to chase a lifestyle. And I have to make more money to really maintain the lifestyle. Because what's crazy, man, is, again, I see people's personal finances all the time. And with our community, man, like we spend a lot of money. We live well above our means and it's crazy. It could be for a client that's earning a million, two million a year to clients making 50,000 a year. It's still the same. I don't know what it is, but, you know, because again, if I have like two client profiles, if I have like a Caucasian client or Asian client compared to say an African-American client, it's like, guess who has more expenses, you know, typically. And the crazy thing is nothing's a necessity when it comes to the expenses. Things just are nice. Things that are kind of living above me is where like, you don't have to do that. Why are you doing that? Let's just kind of bring it down and then focus on increasing that savings percentage, right? So again, to kind of answer your question, keep it simple, divide it in three categories, stick to that one number and evaluate yourself every couple of months. Mm-hmm. Appreciate, Appreciate that. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out too about that spending thing being that you actually yeah, look at Profiles and everything with that, man. Appreciate that, sir. So, Anthony, can you please plug yourself in? Let them know where can they follow you, follow up with you, if they would like to, you know, maybe come through to the Harlem office, become a client, all of that good stuff, my brother. Yeah, yeah. So I'm usually, I'm active on IG. You can follow me, visionary.ant. And, you know, it actually has my, I think it has my Harlem address on there. So if you guys want to check me out, feel free to, you know, type it in Google if you can follow me. And then you can DM me if you have any questions, any colorsense. I don't care like how much money you have or whatever. If you want a quick tip, you have a specific question, more than happy to take my time out to just let give you an answer or something like that, right? Follow me on LinkedIn too, Anthony Williams, uh, Griffin Development Director at Northwestern Mutual. Connect with me on there. And then obviously, you just kind of Google my name, Anthony Williams, Northwestern Mutual. You kind of find my website. Very easy. Very easy there. Appreciate and, then, um, and yeah, yeah. And also, my emails are too. So feel free to reach out. Reach out anyway. Like, I'm very accessible. I tell people, listen, no matter like how big I get or anything like that, I will never be Hollywood. I hate those people that like start off very humble beginnings, but then they super big. It's like never reply to nobody, right? I'll try my best to reply to everybody. And if I don't, if I can't do it, I have a team that can reply to people to make sure that they're helped. Because obviously as my practice grows and have, I have more clients, I have to spend, I have to spend majority of time with the clients that I already have, plus the bigger accounts that I'm working on. But the way I kind of envision the model that I'm building out is to have kind of like, have like layers of advisors that work underneath Mike and like for my practice. So I'll have clients that work with, have an advisor with this specific set of incomes, this specific amount of assets and really create that level. So like no one person can't be helped because what happens in my industry, and I don't want to go on a tangent this one, is that once people start to grow their businesses, they start to forget about the little people. Hmm. And I hate that. 
I hit that with a passion. So like I still meet because I, I do have a criteria who I usually work with. But, you know, if someone's coming to me for help and you're serious, I'm not going to be like, no, nah, I can't help you because whatever. I'm like, if you're serious, take my time. You know, don't waste my time. We'll get it done. But I just think that that's one of the big things. So again, so reach out. Instagram is the best place. Connect with me on LinkedIn and more than happy to be a resource, connect and, and provide any, any advice I can give. Hey man, thank you for that, man. Appreciate that being that resource for the community. That's what our people need, uh, especially with that. That's that's real talk, man. Yeah. Anthony, gotta say thank you again. Yeah, uh, everybody, y'all make sure y'all go follow him, like he just said. Y'all, I know y'all got some questions. Somebody want to be a financial advisor. He's your mm-hmm. guy. Listen, if they're in New York, I love to meet them because we, we need more representation. And even if you're not in New York, if you want to be connected to like a local office with the company, I know I know people all over the country, right? So if you want to learn more. It can't be done by one person alone. We need to do this all together. Mm. So with that said, John, we're going to hop into a couple of housekeeping items before we dip out of here. As always, thank you for tuning into the Black Wolf Renaissance podcast week in and week out. Make sure y'all leave that five-star rating and review on your way out. Let us know how y'all thinking about the episodes. Let us know what you want to hear, what you've enjoyed, all that good stuff. We love hearing back from y'all, and it helps us continue to grow the show. Outside of that, y'all make sure y'all join BWR Academy, our personal need finance that. community, our private personal finance community with weekly classes by industry leaders, weekly accountability calls, and weekly budgeting calls to help you get your life right on the yeah. right track financially. And you can come in and learn and be part of a supportive community. Yeah, we help people get their credit score right. Yep. People getting their credit up 60 points after joining. People getting life insurance policies, people getting financial advisors yeah, and everything man. like that. People setting up brokerage accounts for their kids. So we're definitely making an impact through BWR Academy. And if you would like to learn how you can do some of these things, how you can take advantage of 401ks, how you, if you have a 401k set up, how can you take advantage of that and actually buy a property through it? Mm-hmm. So we talk about all of those things, different ways to actually build wealth and not just build wealth maintain it yes, and sir. pass it down to future generations so y'all definitely come check us out you can get a free seven days by clicking that link in the show notes this is only for bwr podcast listeners you get a free seven days so take advantage of that yes sir jared you got anything fun my brother no sir not on this end oh that's a bet well with that said, y'all, this is... If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's.